Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 48, we talked to Kent Reeder about using art as a means for relational evangelism. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. We had a really great conversation with our friend Kent Reeder this week, talking about, you know, relational ministry or relational evangelism and kind of doing that by exposing people to good Christian art. And it was just really cool insights. And one of the things that we're going to hear Kent talk about in a little bit is having a list of like top three people in, in certain categories. So I was wondering, Drew, if you would share, if you have a list of top three songwriters right now, Christian songwriters. Yeah, one that has really connected with me over the last few years, especially since moving down here to South Carolina. And it's just kind of happenstance that he happens to be from South Carolina. But uh, <laughs> John Mark McMillan just really is doing some really interesting stuff, saying things in a way that people haven't said them in the past not that he's saying anything new just you know a different lens that he's looking at it all through and just like lyrically and musically he's got really cool cool ideas another one is dustin kensrew who uh, used to be in the band thrice and now is again in the band thrice they got back together but he's released some some worship songs back when he was part of the mars hill church and all that um, mm -hmm. but he's just uh, I think more than anybody, he's able to kind of take thick doctrinal concepts and make them singable and make them clear and, and concise and everything, you know, whether it's all glory be to Christ or grace alone, or it is finished just like really heavy, meaty things in really catchy, singable songs. So I really like that. I've been getting into him a lot lately. And then the last one is a, a newer guy. His name's Drew Miller. He just released his first EP called uh, Desolation. And he's about to release his second one, I think, in December called Consolation. And just uh, he's going to combine them into an album then. But just kind of the the, the two sides of, of grief and how how to relate to and talk about God in the midst of grief and then in the midst of, of consolation in the midst of him c coming to you and giving you the comfort that you need in the midst of all of that. So haven't heard the, the second EP yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that sounds really cool. How about you, Tim? Uh, top three songwriters at the moment. Yeah, I would say I've noticed the theme in mind that the reason I like each of these people as songwriters is because I first liked their music, obviously, and I think that's usually a, a key, but sure. I just love the way that they take words and portray them musically. And the first person on my list is this guy that I've just had so much growing respect for in the last two years, and that's Phil Wickham. You know, he's a worship leader, but the songs that he writes are just really becoming deeper, and, and they have so much that theological background to them. But he's so diverse in the way he presents these songs. And you, you sometimes you're just, for me, I'm just astounded at the things that he writes. And it's like, man, this is really cool. Uh, another one on my list is David Leonard. 
that a lot of people probably would know from uh he was in a group called all songs and daughters with leslie jordan yeah, yeah. and s- since then their group has disbanded but uh he's still doing his own stuff now and he's still writing songs and he collaborates a lot with other artists so you'll see his name on a lot of things that you're singing probably don't even notice that he's on there but he's got a lot of uh really cool stuff out there as well and then another person on my list is Corey asbury that a lot of people would recognized from the song reckless love that he did that was his like the one that blew up but the rest of that album is unreal there's a song on there called endless hallelujah that i first heard it and i was in like shock like that was how good and the music was just (laughs) so cool but then when i went back and read the lyrics and i was like he's like quoting scripture for half of it and the other half is just a way of it's just talking about heaven it's it's it was the right timing and everything that everything just came together and fell into place. And yeah, it, it's cool thinking about, you know, who the people you admire are and the people that you have as your top three and why you look up to them. And I think I uh, can give some really good reasons for that in this week's episode. So let's get into that. Today, we're excited to welcome back our good friend, Kent reader to the podcast. Welcome Kent. Hey guys. Good to be back. Kent for our listeners who may not have listened to your other episodes. Could you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Kent, and I live in Seattle, Washington. I've been out here for just a few months, starting a church called Illumin out here. Prior to being here, I was in Rock Hill, South Carolina for six years and started a church called Illumin there. I also helped with uh, getting the Hearts and Hands uh, workshop together when it restarted here a couple of years ago, and um, I've had a good time getting to know and be a part of this community of Wells Creatives. Awesome. And full disclosure, we were running a little behind this week. So we're like, who could we talk to in a hurry? And we were like, we could talk to Kent. So I texted Kent and said, what do you want to talk about on the podcast this week? And he quickly texted back, we equip our people for relational evangelism by promoting good Christian art. So let's kind of break that down just a little bit. First of all, what do you mean by good Christian art? It's super subjective, obviously, (laughs) but um, I think that's part of the deal that every person like has a certain subjective view of things, whether it's music or visual art or whatever experiential artistic thing it is. And you do well, uh, at least I think you do well, if you take the time to figure out what that means to you and what that looks like to you and take a little bit of effort to dive a little deeper into who's doing that well, according to you or, or as you think about it. So, for example, um, I'm really thinking lately that Josh Garrels is good, like to me. I think he's diving deep into the, the work that he's doing. I think he's he's thinking about it on a level that not everybody else is. And I think it's really creative and fun, too. I get really into it. Like just today, I was giving one of the moms from the preschool that meets in our church a ride home because she's blind. And so I give her a ride to and from school. And uh, this, you know, after she got out of the car and got her daughter out, uh, this new Josh Garrels song called Cynicism came on and the intro to that is amazing. It's got horns and uh, this great groove to it. And like, I was just right into it and I turned the volume way up and dove deep and really listened to what it was. Um, like I just sat there in front of her house for like a minute and a half, just listening to that and, and thinking about it. And I think if we do that, if we sort of immerse ourselves in the art that we think is good and we go a little deeper on it, we're then more ready with it to to share it or even for ourselves to benefit from it. So what does that look like as far as the sharing it aspect goes? Like you talked about using this for like relational evangelism. 
it's one thing for you to delve deep into the art that you think is good, but how does well, that help with you know evangelism? relational evangelism is um, intentional, but it's not artificial. You know, relational evangelism allows relationships between you and another person to organically grow. And as you live your Christian life in view of that person and in love toward that person, natural scenarios come up. And art is a really simple space in which those kinds of conversations can happen because we like as a culture to talk about art as a society to talk about songs we like or movies we've watched lately or shows that we've enjoyed lately like that's a really natural thing for us to do so if you as a christian person can be you know allow yourself to get into the art that you like then you'll be a little bit more ready when those organic conversations come up with people and you'll be ready with something that reflects what is the most deep thing for you, which is your faith, right? Your, your connection with God and his word and his principles and his truth. So, so I think getting into the stuff that we think is good in a sort of like intentionalized way allows us to be prepared for organic conversations, again, in a kind of intentionalized way. Okay, so Kent, you had talked about how you know, this art really is subjective and we do enjoy as a culture and community talking about our different forms of art, but we like to focus on the stuff that we really grew up with, generally speaking. Like, I'm a fan of comic books because I read comic books as a kid and I still love comic movies, you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example. But I grew up with that. So how do we allow people to experience new things and have that lead towards something additional on a deeper level as well? I think there's a couple ways to think about that. You know, when you mentioned Marvel comic books and the Marvel movies, I think of the Bread for Beggars blog that uses the motif of Marvel heroes to talk about deeper, more philosophical things. So, like, in that way, you don't even have to experience something new. You're sort of experiencing something that shares a connection to something that you already enjoy. And you can make that connection for a person. They can start to read. I don't know who writes those. Is it Luke Italiano? Um, start to Oh, Tim Redfield. Tim. Start to read Tim Redfield's Tim Redfield. um, blog. And if you start to like that, then you're going to be interested in the rest of Bread for Beggars. And now you're interested in this whole you know world of content and stuff that's there. We almost never just dive into a new thing. Um, we always sort of take a, a couple side steps into it um, to get into that to that spot. But you can typically think about shared medium. For example, most people right now have a smartphone and their smartphone has a background on it. And like we all spend more time than we should, or many people spend more time than we should thinking about or selecting our background. Ever since the last Hearts and Hands, the background on my phone has been a piece of art by Annalie Biedenbender. And it's from a series of pictures that she did called um, At Two Year At Abstraction. And I really like that, that series of paintings because the line At Two Year At Abstraction comes from a great song by Sarah Groves, who is one of my like top three or top five Christian songwriters, in my opinion. Um, and it's a really deep and interesting song. And I think Anna represented some of the thoughts in that song in a visual way. That's pretty cool. But I love having that as the background of my phone because if people ask me about it or if they see it, I get the chance not only to talk about Annalie Biedenbender and her fantastic work, but also Sarah Groves and her fantastic work. It's sort of a great double whammy that comes from something that we all have in common, which is a phone background. 
So you, you talked a lot about making this happen like intentionally, but also somewhat organically uh, or in a way that's not really forced. And I feel like, um, especially with things like, for example, Kanye West releasing an album called Jesus is King. Everyone's kind of talking about it, but maybe not in a way like most people who are listening to that for the first time probably have never listened to Kanye before. And so they wouldn't, it's not like they're talking, could talk about that from a place of strong interest or strong knowledge base or anything like that. So how, how do you, is there a way to talk, to use that relationally, or is it always just going to come across as forced if you're, if you're talking about something that's kind of foreign to you like that? Well, I think Jesus is King is kind of, it's a little bit unique or a little bit of an outlier situation because it's, it's like Kanye threw this interesting grenade into like, like hip hop culture and Christian culture at the same time. So, so the Venn diagram is crazy because that Venn diagram rarely has an overlap like that for us to make a connection on. So, so it is going to be a little bit odd and a little bit forced. And I think, you know, when you see like a blog post or somebody who, who's never written about hip hop before suddenly writing about Kanye West, you're like, meh, okay. Um, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of this thing that has happened. Whereas like, if Toby Mac, who's been a Christian rapper since the late '80s, is going to talk about Kanye West's record, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to I'm going to read that and think about that because he's got some authority in it. He's he's big on it, and that's where I think you know another part of the answer to Tim's question that connects to your question here is we also have a sort of societal contract to one another where when we perceive that somebody is interested in something, you know, deeply, we give it a listen. We, we have some, some empathy for them and we allow them to talk about that thing that they care about. Not forever. You know, we're not going to look at 500 pictures of your vacation to Bali, but we're going to look at 50 of them. And, and so I think if, if they perceive that you're, you're into it and it's something that you care about and you can speak with even a little bit of authority on, then they're willing to listen. And if it happens that what you're interested in catches their eye, then they might jump in on something new or something different from them. An example of that from, in fact, the reason that I sent this concept for today's podcast to Drew was because on Sunday night at our core group meeting, I played this video of this, uh, that somebody made um, about the song Born Again by Josh Garrels for our core group. That's kind of how we opened like our devotional thought as we opened our meeting. And one of the guys in the core group asked me afterwards for more information about Josh Garrels and his music, because he was like, I can play that at work. People would enjoy that. People would think that's great. I really like it. And it's very shareable and very usable. And that kind of a connection became really natural for him. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the whole point of this is like you said, exposing our friends to things. Like a lot of people aren't going to necessarily seek these things out. But let's say you're someone like me who's an extroverted introvert. Like I'm not exactly comfortable just sharing all of my interests with my friends. I'm more likely to follow along with what they're doing. What would you say to someone like that to continue to say, you know what, it's okay to not push your agenda, but share your interests with someone? Yeah, I, th- I think agenda is a really good word for this situation. I, I don't really think that this is about having an agenda, about coming into situations with, a, you know, a type A 
you know, what I'm thinking about is what everybody needs to think about kind of agenda. This is just about nerding out a little bit on the stuff that you like, diving into it, and diving into it to such an extent that you're able to make connections when they come up with people with whom you are comfortable. So, you know, this guy from my core group, he, let's say, he spends this week listening to you know, Josh Garrels and maybe gets tangentially connected to some other great artists that are on similar playlists like The Collection or Zach Williams or Branches or something. And then he's listening to a new song that a friend of his is like, hey, you need to hear this song. He's like, actually, that reminds me of a new song that I just heard by Branches. You should hear this song. And now it happened. Like it was totally organic. It wasn't forced. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. That's okay. You still got growth and edification from experiencing this good Christian art. So I think... I mean, there's definitely a spectrum, but I think there's some people that really love nerding out on something, but there's other people that are a little more re- reluctant to nerd out about the things that they're super psyched about around other people because they're like a- afraid of judgment or whatever you want to call it. But like, do you have any, any thoughts or any ideas about nerding out in general? Well, I think, you know, Nerding out can get a bad rap um, because it can be inherently selfish and people can feel like they're being a little bit selfish or self-centered or inconsiderate when they talk about a thing that they really love around other people. You, you see it or you hear it in the phraseology we use, like, like I know I talk about this all the time, but I'm so, I got I to say this or whatever that happens. But there is like a selfless way to do it and, and to really dive into it passionately. I, you know, I think a lot of the listeners to this podcast are creative people who have followed a drive pretty far, you know, farther than, than maybe other folks around them have followed that drive, whether it's as musicians or artists or whatever it is. And so they understand what it looks like to to dig yourself in. A practical example is Stephen Colbert. No talk show talks about Lord of the Rings as much as Stephen Colbert's does. But he's like the authority on the topic almost in the world. Uh, I think he beat uh, Peter Jackson in a trivia contest on Lord of the Rings. And so so his his nerdiness has just sort of brought itself out into the conversation in in its own way and i think we can we can do that uh, especially using art art is a really good way to do that like i've listened to switchfoot every album every song everything they've released since they started i've been super obsessed with them for a long time and and i think they're great i think their last couple albums haven't been my favorite but they just released this live thing of their new album and there's a song on the album native tongue called take my fire take my fire is not a great song in my opinion on the album native tongue but when they do it live it is incredible like and so i you know in nerding out over switchfoot i can point people who like great rock music to this fantastic live song and now the connection is made so it seemed this may come easier to someone who has a wide variety of interests but Maybe I'm I'm not speaking correctly because, like you mentioned before, Stephen Colbert just being an, uh, interested in one thing or sharing his interest in one thing could still lead to additional connections or networks. But it's hard for me to find the connection between, you know, I I want to connect with someone who likes rock music, so it helps that I like this one band, or I want to connect with someone who reads fantasy fiction, so it helps that I've read this one style of book. I don't know how we get people to that point. I don't know, Tim. That I'd say it's about like depth versus width or depth versus breadth 
as much as it's about passion. So for some people, following this passion is going to lead them to dive deep into just one thing. And for others, it's going to lead them to just try to discover everything connected to that. Uh, so like the the band branches, and this, this is not the branches band, like the Wells band who are very good, but this is a Christian band called branches. One of their albums for some reason, like just at the right time in the right place, means a lot to me. So I listen to like Branches Radio on Spotify or Google Play Music all the time because I want to know every artist that sounds like that and is connected to that. And so I end up with this really wide reaching, like here's all these artists that are kind of doing the same kind of thing. And then you have lots of ways you can connect. And, and you know, because art is based on culture and art is, uh, you know, whether it's songs or, or, or visual art or whatever it is, because it's connected to the overall like societal narrative, there's almost always connections you can make, but not if you don't know the lyrics or not if you don't know why the artist did the thing that they did in the painting. And that's where, you know, diving a little deeper does make a difference. Art actually becomes more shareable the more deeply you dive into it, which isn't the same of like a meme. So you mentioned the, that, when you got really into branches, you you kind of looked for playlists that they were on, or or you know Spotify or anything connected to it. One kind of similar thing, but it's slightly different that I know you and I have talked about before is John Mark McMillan has this playlist on Spotify that he like updates fairly frequently. Um, what what's the name of that again? Body and Ghost. Yeah, could you could you talk about how that's related to 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 all of this? Yeah, so like John Mark McMillan, right, is a pretty significant voice and a pretty significant character in Christian music and Christian culture right now, having written some really massive hits, but also being known to be kind of uncompromising in his quality and his artistic approach to things. So a lot of people look at him and watch and pay attention to him. And so he started this this Spotify playlist. I think, honestly, it started as a playlist he wanted to listen to. He sometimes throws it out on Twitter to people like, hey, what are you listening to that I don't know about yet? And then he'll add stuff to his playlist based on that. But it's all about having a voice in this overall conversation. And, you know, it has such a a breadth of, of artists on it, like from Aretha Franklin to Beck to King's Kaleidoscope, you know, and then obviously some John Mark McMillan and Jesus is King is on there. He's got at least one track from that album on that playlist right now. And it's just, he constantly now has this conversation with everybody who listens to that playlist about what he thinks is good. And he gets to have a certain amount of influence over me because I listen to it. It's a, and, but all he has to do is find and like music, which is something we can all do. And like you said, there there are things we could all do. So, you know, for people listening to this podcast, this episode right now, like, what would you say are some action items? If you really want to be, you know, good Christian evangelists, how can we do that using this good Christian art concept? Yeah. So always be prepared to give an answer is really a verse that talks about how you need to be ready to to witness for Christ. But, but I think in that vein, a, a really actionable thing you can do is just always have in mind like a top three or you know, top four or five list of things. So people know that I write songs. So I always have in the back of my head, my top three to five Christian songwriters. Who do I think is doing the very best at this? Or, you know, I have in my head, my top three Christian 
artists who do I think is doing the best job at making art or my top three people who are doing like ministry materials like the Bible Project or something. So if the time comes up where someone asks me, well, who do you think is doing this well? I can rattle it off right away. You know, Drew has an old car that has a CD player in it. So every once in a while, Drew will ask me or throw out a text to a bunch of people, I think, um, hey, I need some song suggestions for a new mix CD for in my car. And I can always just send them some stuff right away because I have that kind of list in my head. And it's not hard to keep. And it's all stuff I like. So it's not unpleasant to keep it in my head or anything. And it's a relatively uh, effective way to be ready to have relational evangelism opportunities be taken advantage of. So we're going to put you on the spot. Top three Christian songwriters, go. Top three is hard <laughs> because you have to eliminate like two other people. But John Mark McMillan and Josh Garrels, I think, occupy the same space in my head right now. And then Sarah Groves is, in my opinion, just just absolutely exceptional as a voice. And, you know... I think he's done things a little differently in the last couple of years, but Andrew Peterson is one of the most thoughtful and literary songwriters in Christianity. I really like that about him. So that was a cheap way of giving you four instead of three. <laughs> but if there's a tie, I guess technically you're fine. Yeah. Well, Kent, we want to thank you again for taking the time to, to come on this week and to help us out in a, in a pinch. Um, for our listeners, is there anything you want to point them to or anything you want to plug? Start looking into the Bread for Beggars Festival if you haven't yet. It's going to be a really cool thing coming up this summer. It's just something to really be paying attention to. Don't let it fall off your radar. Well, awesome. Thank you so much again for taking the time and sharing your insights with us, Kent. All right. Thanks, guys. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have people you'd like to hear from or questions you'd like answers to, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And feel free to share your top three, whether it be songwriters or visual artists or storytellers, whatever the case may be, go ahead and share those with us on social media. And be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsenhancepodcast. There you can get instant access to bonus content like uncut episodes. Be sure to check that out, and thanks again for all the support. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.